Wait. You don't sound autistic. Well, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And this is episode 31. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So welcome back, everyone. Uh, make sure that you su- subscribe. Can I say that word? Subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they are released. And be sure to join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. The Facebook group is now listed as private, but as long as you don't look like a crazy person, um, we'll go ahead and uh, let you join the group. Mm -hmm. Basically, we wanted to make the group private so that the conversations that we're having, because a lot of them are uh, a little bit more personal and in-depth, uh, so we wanted to keep those things private, but also still be welcoming and allow people to join. So please do join. And uh, if you have uh, a f- favorite podcast platform that you're listening to us on, like if you're listening to us on, like most people listen to us on Spotify. Yep. But um, we also, we're kind of everywhere. Like we've taken advantage of we a have, lot of... It's available everywhere. So because a lot of uh, one of the conversations I actually had in a, another Facebook group was that they're like, I'll listen to your show, but not on Spotify. Are you available anywhere else? Because they don't agree with uh, Spotify's, you know, methods of doing business. So I said, of course, we're available. You know, we're on Apple Music. We're available on um, Audible, which is Amazon. So uh, we're available on Spotify. Oh, here we go. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Podcast Addict, Deezer, Player FM, The Podcast Index, Podchaser, Listen Notes, um, and then we're also on Stitcher, and Overcast, Pocket Casts, Castro, CastBox, yeah, a couple places. You know, one thing that's kind of scary is if you go on what uh, one of those podcasts and you rate us, that is called a cast rate. I did not know that. Castrate? (laughs) I get it. I get it. No, you don't. I get it. Okay. Just making sure. That was really stupid. I take it back. I didn't say it. Um, Sorry, I'm still uh, reeling from a new... Every episode, as everyone that listens knows, and if you're just joining us now, go back and listen to every single episode. This is episode 31. So you got 30 episodes to binge, which is awesome. But uh, I've been making... Starting an episode... I don't know, three, four, five, somewhere. Yeah, really there. early on. I started doing a new track for every episode, and sometimes I make the track literally right before I upload, you know, and finish doing the editing. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. Uh, this this particular uh, for this episode, the the music uh, I made a couple of days ago. This track is every track has a different title, which of course you guys wouldn't know because you're you're I'm not. They're just embedded the t- into the Yeah, they're just embedded into the end of the episode. I'm not saying the titles, but this one is called Almost Finished. Because oh, that's cool. It was just to remind myself. <laughs> so I, when, I, when I put it up on, um, I finished it and for the most part. And so when I put it up on uh, SoundCloud, it, also if you want to listen to any of my tracks, I don't have a ton of stuff on there, but I have several different songs available. Um, if you just look me up, Blake Fertig, that's F as in Frank, E-R-T as in Tom, I-G, Blake Fertig on soundcloud and you can find me um and listen to my tunes on there and that's where i put this most recent song um because i do that to be able to listen to it in my car so i can kind of like reconfigure see if i want to change anything and also see how it sounds how mm-hmm. other people are going to hear it yeah it's cool. so um anyway we uh, just uh, we appreciate everyone that listens all all across the country and all across the world it's very exciting to hear from you guys so please uh continue to comment and uh Rochelle, now you say things. <laughs> that's not, that's rare. I don't. Uh, yes. Um, I think that it's real. One of the things that I love the most is actually reading your comments, but not because my comments. No, our listeners comments. Oh, you don't like my I, comments. You're funny. You're funny. You're always funny. But oh, I, okay. I like to hear what everyone else is experiencing because we're all we're all seeing, you know, 
different versions of different things and our experiences have similar threads and themes, but, um, you know, they, they can play out in really different scenarios. And so I really like the community aspect of it. Yeah, me too. This is going to be off topic, but on topic, moving on. Um, I, uh, I was thinking about it the other day when, and actually this morning when, uh, cause Rochelle is gracious enough to let me do my laundry at her place. So, I brought over a load of laundry and I'm like, wow, I don't really have that many clothes. It's all socks and underwear because they basically wear the same clothes every day. Right. Um, and I don't know if anyone else it, it experiences that, uh, that has um, that. It, and it's not laziness. It's just that I'm comfortable. It's like I wear the same shoes until they fall apart. I don't wear the same socks and underwear because that's gross. But um, if you do, don't feel bad because I totally understand why you would do that. Someone the other day was even saying, because they were like, oh, um, I I was talking to someone. I was like, oh, I wear my socks inside out. And they were like, they have seamless socks. I was like, what's this? They do, yeah. Apparently they have seamless socks, which I just think is fun to say, seamless socks. Say seamless socks. Um, But uh, anyway, so I was just curious if anyone out there does that. If they, you know, if it's the weekend or whatever. And I mean, no one notices. I wear the same. I I usually change like my undershirt and I wear like the same polo and the same pair of pants every day. (laughs) I look like a cartoon character because you know cartoon characters. Yeah, they're always they're, the they're always wearing exactly the same thing, like Bart Simpson. But they say that's a sign of genius, actually, because then you're not devoting all this extra brain power like to like you know things that it, to your outfit or what you're going to wear. But but it's also like you've made these decisions based on what is sensory acceptable for you, and then at the same time, like you feel comfortable in it, and so. The hidden gem in all of that is one, you're not wasting energy like on fretting about, oh, what am I going to look? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? I need more stuff. But it's also that because you're feeling comfortable and you're putting on your best um, comfort suit, if you will, like your best set of armor, you're actually bolstering your self-esteem headed out into the world where you could potentially be faced with with masking um, situations. And at that point, at least you get to wear your own clothes. So you feel as much like yourself as possible. Where like what we're dealing with with Declan, where he's being forced into this uniform, he has to mask, and he and he's also not in his clothes. And we're at, I, I don't know about you, but I'm watching more and more meltdowns at night, more irritability, less transition, you know, success. I don't know what you're talking about. He's never been sweeter. Okay. I know. Sometimes I think we're raising two different kids. But, I think so, too. But at this point, like, the uniform bothers me so much because of the potential impact of self-esteem. Like, I'm not even going to do it anymore. And just hearing you talk about, you know, how you approach clothing. And given he's been starting to do some of that a little bit more, you notice, like, he wore those, uh, his blaze and stripes socks um, for three days in a row. I couldn't get him off his Finally, last night, I peeled him off his feet saying, these are dirty. And he's starting to wear the same shirt three or four days in a row. Like if you really, he used to be really good about changing his shirt every single day. You think he's doing that because he sees me do it? I don't know if it's that or if it's just because of this uniform. I mean, that's the only other thing that's really changed. I mean, it's it's hardly a uniform. It's a polo shirt. It's red. Right. It is a red shirt. The color of murder. For, For our child, that color is like his worst enemy. You wear it fine. He's fine with you, but he doesn't do well in it long term. I don't understand. Like, I can wear a red shirt around him and he, nothing happens. It's not about you wearing it. It's about him wearing it. But it's not like he's looking at his nipples all day. It's not. It's about the what his brain perceives and the energy and the frequency and how it, the whole thing adds up to the fact that he's trying to use his resources, his neurological and biological and emotional resources to navigate through his day. And if, if you're wearing something that stresses you out, then you're automatically living in a higher state of fight or flight before you even begin your day. And so then when he's struggling, then your first assumption isn't, oh, I'm wearing a color that dysregulates me because he's three and he doesn't know that. He just starts to think that he's less than or he's not enough or, you know, he's failing in some way because the brain automatically deducts from our own capacity. That's why self-esteem is such an important thing to be focused on at a young age and to continue to be focused on at every age. Like, what are the actions that we do that inadvertently implode our self-esteem because we're fitting in? I think that if there's anything you identify that is compromising your self-esteem in any situation for the sake of fitting in, you stop doing it. Your self-esteem is far more important than anything else. 
I personally believe. And so I've watched you over the years. You used to change, like this didn't used to be your way of dressing. You used to change your clothes all the time. Like every day you had a new outfit. You didn't, you were, you had the same four or five shirts you would rotate through, but it wasn't the same shirt like you're doing now for two or three days. Um, and you can do that in the winter here because it's no, there's no, you know, consequence to sweating in it or whatever. The summer's a little bit different, but this has evolved in you over the last few years as life got more and more of a struggle. You stopped rotating out your clothes as much. I think I've always done it and it's now you're just noticing it more. No, I've always noticed your clothes because I've always been working on buying you clothes. Like when I go on vacation, I went on vacation to when we went to Vietnam. Right. I brought like three pairs of pants. I know you did really, you do really well that way. And I was just like, it was too many pants. It almost was. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Especially when you have to carry everything on your back, you know, like yeah. you're really what you, selective. What do you need? You need three shirts. But, th- but that's not the same thing as your everyday, right? You're on vacation and you're doing a track and. It's okay to be stinky and sweaty. A little bit, yeah. It was a hot. It was a hot climate. We were there in March. It was, it was a little toasty. Maybe it was May, March, May. I think it was May. May. I don't know. Those two months, I can't. I think it was May. Yeah, it makes more sense. It was really warm. Yeah. So I, I think that you know, when you are working to make so many decisions just to make a day, uh, you know, operate because you've got to. You got to make food decisions. You got to make clothing decisions. You got to make timing decisions. You've got to make sleep decisions, entertainment decisions. You got to make a ton of decisions. The the fewer you can make in a day, and you can pre-make clothing being an easy one, I think it's kind of brilliant, as long as they're clean. I know it's like if I could just, I think I I wouldn't eat the same food every day because it would get too boring. Mm. But I'm not looking at myself all day. Right. Yeah, you kind of you leftovers are you're you're not leftovers best friend. You don't like to eat things. I like to eat something different every day if I can. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, even when I bought, like when I've bought, well, because I think I got spoiled because I used to live across the street from a grocery store. So I, every day I would just like think about what I wanted to eat. I would go over there and I'd get it. If I wanted to eat a sandwich, then I would get sandwich stuff and I would eat until the sandwich stuff was gone. Yeah, so maybe that's a strategic decision we need to make going forward. Wherever you decide to live, you've got to check your house to grocery store proximity as like a deciding factor maybe i mean but it was uh, i I can't imagine that i'm going to find a a house that's going to be right across the street from a grocery store that's not going to drive me nuts because we were in a townhouse before right you were anyway there were a lot of other factors about that place that kind of sucked but that part was awesome right just being able to stroll across the street and and so i was spoiled i lived there for so many years Mm -hmm. doing that and now I never go to the grocery store. And then when I do go to the grocery store, I'm just like, oh, I can't buy a week's worth of stuff. Right. Pre-planning is difficult. Yeah. I used to, I was better about it, I think, when it was all of us living together in the house. You think so? Uh, yeah. I think I was, well, yeah, because I mean, I was able to, to buy food and like I knew how much I was getting for a group. Sure. Like when I'm buying for myself, I'm like, well, I guess I'm eating zucchini for the next four days. Right. Because I bought one zucchini. <laughs> It's just, it, you know, and it takes, you don't realize how much food you buy. And then I buy food like, you know, it just sits there and I never eat it. Utilization is a, is a big challenge, especially when there's planning issues. Yeah. Especially. Espe- did I say it wrong? You said especially. Oh, sorry. I'm feeling nasally again today. I'll never I, forget I did not mean to. In my mind, it was ESP. There was a, in, in, in real life though, it wasn't. It was ex. Anyway, <laughs> there was there was like a like moment. Human autocorrect. There was a there was a moment where like that something like that happened where you said ex, you said especially and I said there's no ex in especially and you said there could be an ex in husband. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I oh, wrote that it down. was snarky of me. How clever. <laughs> Sorry. Who knew that you were foretelling the future? I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Anyway, I just thought that was clever. Thank I'll you. Give you a little bit of kudos. Yeah, I'm not usually the witty one. Or kudos. If you will. <laughs> Thanks. So there was something I wanted to talk about. Um, and it's still a kind of a mildly ongoing thing. And I don't know what to do with myself, really. I, I'll i kind of give some detail. I don't think I talked about this before. Sorry. I have like hiccups or something. Um, so several weeks ago, I was going through like one of the online job search sites and found uh, a posting for a DJ 
And okay. I was like, oh, cool. That that might be fun. So I went through the process of emailing and applying and everything and then started going emailing back and forth with the with the dude. And it turned out it was like at the dude's house that there would be like an orientation. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to give it a shot because it paid. It was a paid gig. So I go to the orientation. There's like six people there. And the guy's like, are you all vaccinated? And half the people were like, nope. And so he's like, you got to leave. And they're like, but on the app. So there was just like a lot of little things building up that were weird. And then he was like trying to train us for how we should be doing the, um, how we should be doing the DJing. And anyway, so it gets to the point where I'm done with the orientation. I leave. I'm like, I don't think anything's going to come from this. And then he emails me like a week later, like, Hey man, um, are you ready to go? Let's do this. And hmm. I was like, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And so then he's like, uh, like the day that I'm supposed to go do this shadowing where you're supposed to go watch someone else do it. Two days later, I was supposed to do it by myself. Two days later? Yeah. I hope this is making sense to everybody. I'm trying to make sure that. Okay. So let me just recap real quick. Yeah. So you applied for a DJ job. You went for orientation. Yes. And how did you feel? How well did you feel trained after the orientation? I mean, I think I had a pretty good idea of what needed to be done, and I was a little bit overwhelmed by did it. Did you get any, like, talking points in print? Did you get any no. handouts? Did you no. get anything that clearly communicated your no. it was roles just like and responsibilities? Here, it was, it was like, very run-and-gun. Like, let's do a role play real quick to make sure that yes. you can speak, and then yes. I'll decide if I'm going to continue with you. Yeah. And then it was radio silence for a week. I mean, something like that. A couple days, at least. Okay, so... Then walk me through the time between orientation and when you next heard from the guy. How I long? Mean, I, that's what we just said, about a week, I think. So then on the same day, he reached out and says... So no, first he's like, hey, you're going to do shadowing, and then you're going to do your own gig, like two days later. I was like, okay. And then it was the day, it was the morning of the shadowing. Uh-huh. That he's like, I need you to give me a list of 30 songs that you have that fit this profile. I need you to get an iPod or a laptop. And I don't have a laptop and I don't have, I don't even know where my iPod is. And it was like, I was at work. Right. And I was going to, I needed to be at the gig by 7 p.m. And I knew I was working until 6. And I told the guy that too. It's like, I, you know, he's like, you need to be there by 6.30. I was like, I can make it to the gig by 6.30. But I was like, I'm not going to be able to do all these other things. So the morning of, he asks you to compile 30 songs. Do you have to send him a list of songs? Yes. And then he compiles them? No, he he wanted me to give him a list of 30 songs that were appropriate based on the parameters he gave me. I just, I'm not going to go into the parameters. Oh, so you, okay, so, okay, that's so I needed even more work. 30, that's what I'm saying. I would need to go home, find my iPod, and then make a list of 30 songs and that then fit write profile. them down okay. in an email and email that to him. Okay, that day. That day. And these are songs for that night? Yeah. Okay. Why are you supplying the songs if because, you're just shadowing? Because the shadowing is not shadow and shadowing as much as it's like training. So more like you're like you're, you're going to be playing the music and, and the, someone is watching you. Oh, and you're so. going to be on the microphone part of the time and you're going to be helping part of the time. Oh, you're yeah. That's watching. totally different than shadowing. That's like half doing. Well, sometimes when you're shadowing, you do kind of half do stuff. Okay. And then but anyway, I didn't know that. And then he sent me like list after like email after email, like maybe three or four emails that had all these rules and like papers that I needed to print out and all that was just like, I was overwhelmed. And so, um, I just basically, I told the guy, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I need to, you know, maybe do it in a week or so. And then I didn't, and then I was, I was like, just so you know, like later, like before the, the, gig started i was like just so you know because he never responded so i was like that means i'm not going to this thing tonight because i'm not going to have be prepared and he's like you never said that and i was like i said it a while ago so he's like okay well i'm not getting all my messages where it really started to rub me the wrong way is in the, like the next day or two or something like that i got an e- so he's like t- i hate when people do that like they stick to one form of of conversation so you guys are texting through all this texting emailing back and forth and both God. And I'm like, I'm at work and I can't check my email while I'm working unless I'm on my phone. So like, I'm not getting all these messages, but I'm getting the, I'm getting the texts. Right. So I'm like, stick to one form of communication. Like you're emailing right. me or texting. I mean, I understand in the emails, like you can send documents and stuff like that. Sure. So I mean, that makes sense. But it was still, it was just kind of like annoying because then he sends me an email being like, Hey, check my text. Uh, um, well, no, it was like, what was that text you sent me that said you, you know, like he was trying to have me like defend 
the, that I sent the message. He's like, cause I never got it. So I just stopped communicating. Wow. And then a few days later, he's like, Hey, um, are you, you're available what day? Mondays and Thursdays. And I just, I still haven't responded to the guy. And I'm just like, so I'm ghosting him. I'm doing the worst thing you can do in this day and age. I'm, I'm being a ghost. Well, I don't know. I mean, what, uh, what I heard you say, although you kind of brushed through it. So I want to go back a step in the moment where he ignored your boundary that you said, Hey, I'm at my full-time job trying to communicate with you on the side. You're sending me all of this. I'm overwhelmed. You know, you're pushing back on him. He continued to communicate with you in a very fragmented, disjointed way through two different channels, ignoring the fact that you had a day job and a commitment to someone else. Right. And then you said, hey, I'm going to need an extra week, which I'm very proud of you. I want to stop right there because what you did in that moment is you recognized that you were feeling overwhelmed, which is difficult to do when you're overwhelmed because you're like, ah, everyone is, right? You're just frantic. It's panic. It's fight or flight. You recognized you were overwhelmed and you pushed back, which means you advocated for your needs. In the past, is that what you always would have done? No, I would have just gone and suffered. Right. Horribly suffered. Suffered along with, with it. And one of the things that would have fallen out as a result of you suffering is your self-esteem mm-hmm. because which is skyrocketing well but the difference is that this is poor communication on it's definitely poor communication on his part it's why, poor why did planning. he wait why did he wait till the day because he's of, unorganized. instead of being like a week or two earlier when i could have been like okay i've read all the stuff i got this stuff printed out give right. me time to do the thing he lives in panic mode also and he's hoping that he can throw a fire in your lap and that you'll run with it and I'm sure he's done it to many, many people who who have just dealt with it and done it and taught him that it's okay to do. So I'm proud of you for standing up for yourself and saying, this is not okay. I am overwhelmed and I am going to need time. And it's not fair that you try and do this while you're at your other job. I mean, you basically gave yourself a 30 minute window to clock out from one and clock into the other. Right. In the middle, and then and then at the same time, while you're doing that, you're also driving to the other one without having a chance to fully read any of the documentation or put any planning behind it. So his poor planning became your emergency. Well, and then more as the more I read into the details of the documents that he sent me with like all the rules and all the things, I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be like a nightmare because it was, it was, it's just, I wish that people were more forthcoming and just up like explaining what their expectations are and what a job is going to be right in a posting instead of being like, here, this is really cool. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, instead of marketing and actually talk about it. Because one of the things was like, I'd have to drive to his house to like drop money off after shows. What? So it's like the two, so the shows are two hours long. Okay. And it was basically just so you guys know, it's basically, um, not basically, I hate when people do that. <laughs> it's uh trivia night. So it'd be hosting trivia night. Okay, so it's a DJ hosting trivia night with music. And you would have music in between like while the people are doing their guessing or in the beginning and stuff like that. Okay. I'm supposed to have music playing. And I guess you get paid the through the venue for them and then you pay them and then they pay you through like PayPal. I was like super complicated. I'm just like, what? I gotta so it's not really two hours of work. Because you got to get there early and you got to set up and then you got to take down. It's one of the things that always used to irritate me about doing videography. Right. Is that like when you show up, people are like, okay, start shooting. It's like, no, it's going to take me 30 minutes to get set up. You're paying for that time. Mm-hmm. They should be paying for your drive time too. But oh. then, and then you would also have to drive this money that you collected in your hands that night from everything back to him. And so then is that time paid for? Or you like, no. That's what I'm saying. Like the shadowing time wasn't paid for. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, I'm sorry. In this day and age, like someone who doesn't value, that's that's just downright taking advantage of people. But where you can start to draw the line is when you value your own time and you value your own processing needs and you go, okay, I want more time to learn this. I mean, when here's the thing about many people and this implies... Uh, 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 You know what? Don't even bother. English. (laughs) This applies to you. You are not someone that half-asses anything that you do. You want to do the best. I use both cheeks. (laughs) And you, you actually like almost try and do it perfectly on the first try, which is, you know, a high, 
almost too high of an expectation, and we've talked about that. But it's really impossible to do something perfect the first time if you haven't had any prep time, you haven't had any time to think about it, you haven't had any time to rehearse it, you haven't had any time to prepare. But you have the best chance of getting something like like producing a well thought out product the first time if you've had the prep time and he's basically like it's a fire drill run 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 at your expense so I'm incredibly just proud of you for taking the time and saying uh no fire drill here that if you didn't plan and you're now up against you know a rock and a hard place that's for you to live like you're not going to drag me down through that because that is He's not valuing himself and he's not valuing anyone who he's getting to help. And that is not someplace you need to be. So I'm just, what do I do in the situation? Like the guy reached out to me, like I said, the other day and he's like, Hey, he completely ignored his first email where right. he's like, An- you know, answer me. Why, why did you, when did you send me this message and where'd you send it to that said that you weren't going to make it? That's petty. And I just decided I wasn't going to respond it's to that. Not even, he's not even asking the right question. Like, he's not even trying to solve the bigger problem. He's just trying to point blame. That's not someone you want to work for ever. At this point in time in the in the world... Do I just leave it? I would just say, thanks for the opportunity. I'm done. Personally, I mean, I think you're dodging a bullet by not even going any further with him because all he has done is cause you stress. I haven't seen him reach out... Can you out. say that, though? Thanks oh, for the yeah. opportunity. I'm done. And that and just like... <laughs> and be done. You're, you're Hey, how's it going today? And I'm like, thank you for the opportunity. I'm done. You are... Every single interaction in this life is a negotiation of some kind. Because if you're asking for something from someone else and they're giving something to you, you're negotiating. You're negotiating the value of it. You're negotiating the time you're going to invest in it. You're negotiating... Um, what the outcome is going to be. You're negotiating the expectations for those things. And sometimes there's non-negotiable situations like the price of bread at the store. And then there's times where, you know, it is an open agreement. And employee to employer, it is always a negotiation. And you are interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And it's not a concept everyone teaches, but I definitely want you and everyone else listening to this to understand that if you are going out for a new job, I really want you to put yourself in the position of having more power because you are interviewing them. You know what your needs are better than anybody else. And you are the only person who is going to fully understand your needs because the spectrum of neurodiversity is so complex and overlapping. No one's going to predict your needs or be able to account for them. So you have to be your best advocate. You have to know where your limits are. You have to know what your capacity is. You have to know what you need in order to be the most successful and you advocate for yourself. You didn't leave a lot of room in there for me to jump in. Sorry, I had to finish my thought or I was going to lose it. I was going to say, you just reminded me of something I think I heard the other day was about George, I want to say it's George Clooney. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, but pretty sure it was George Clooney. And that I guess he was getting, uh, he was going to audition after audition and and failing and not getting these jobs and feeling like really down and so I guess he like switched his attitude instead of thinking, oh, I really need this job. Mm-hmm. Being like, they really need me on this job. They That's why they are bringing in hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. So I got to show them that I'm, you know, they need to know that I'm the guy mm-hmm. for the job. And then he started getting booked. I'm stuff. telling you, what he did is correct. I mean... If you sit there and you walk into any situation, oh my God, I hope they pick me, I hope they pick me, I hope I'm enough, right then and there you've lost all your power. You are not in your self-esteem. You are not in a place of coherence in your own brain and heart. And in everything that I'm learning, as soon as you start going into a panic mode about, are they going to accept me? Am I going to be enough? That's it. You're out of coherence. And if you're out, what that means, so neuroscience and cardiology science are working together and they've done um they've done a lot of research on this to show that it's actually our heart like the emotional part of our hearts that send the signal to our brain to tell our brain what to help our consciousness focus on so that very easily can turn into anxiety if we're not being really clear about what that message is so if you're walking in and going and you're feeling insecure and you're feeling like you know you're not worth enough and and you don't feel like you're good enough and you've got all these negatives, the message you're sending from your heart to your brain is that you're not enough. And so inadvertently, your brain hears that. Remember, the brain is a complete computer. It just mirrors out. It doesn't 
compute. It doesn't filter. It doesn't change. It just mirrors it out, right? That's where mirroring comes from. That's the brain looking for something to copy. So the brain will copy a mixed message and send it out. And it'll, the, the, energy you're sending out is I'm not good enough. Don't pick me. I'm not what you want. And inadvertently and subconsciously people pick up on that. And that's why anxiety can be so difficult because it's not just something that is experienced inside your own mind. It's also something that we project out. And then that takes away from the gifts that you do have as an individual because you're inadvertently hiding it behind all this, this panic, which are real feelings right? I mean, anxiety is, is a serious, like that is really, it can be overwhelming. You can be in your head. You can be thinking the worst thing possible. But the thing about fear is when you allow fear to interfere, enter fear into your mind, then you are inadvertently taking yourself off course. So what George Clooney did by changing an outcome, man, I got to tell them why I'm the guy is he erased the fear and said, I believe in myself. And that created a coherence between his heart and his brain and actually enabled the 19 parts of his brain to sync together in a way that produced a more um the, it's a it's a it's a more solid how do I say the word like it's just a more coherent connected easy cooperative attitude that makes him more attractive and increases his value so wow that was uh, a lot of words it was a lot of words i'm sorry it's a big concept but uh, i've been learning a all lot. i said was george clooney and you were like i know everything about george clooney no i know i've known nothing about this situation but but the model of what you've of what you've explained is mirroring a lot of the things that i'm learning and what i was proud of you for doing is that this guy stressed you out yes everything about his communication with you was fragmented I met George Clooney, by the way. Just wanted to say that. Oh, did you? I told you this. I don't remember. Yeah, at, uh, oh man, it was like the MGM, no. It was in Las Vegas. I was with my mom and my stepdad. And George Clooney, I think, recognized my stepdad. I was like, hey, Joseph. Oh, no and way. Joseph was like, hey, George. What a big moment. And uh, I didn't know who the hell he was. Well, he I did. Knew who he had, but it was, it was him but and like Anthony. Way back Anthony. then, he would have been in the beginning part of his career. It was like ER. Yeah, it was beginning and, part of his career. And, uh, and I think Anthony Edwards was maybe with him or something. Oh, that's and cool. And I was like, it's Goose. Like, I was all excited <laughs> about Anthony Edwards, who played Goose in Top Gun. But I didn't, you know, George, who knew that I was like, I met Batman. That's awesome. The worst Batman, but I met Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he actually wasn't a bad Batman. It's just I don't his, think so. his Batman movies just sucked. Yeah, I would agree. But anyway, sorry. You no, were, you're, but what you're talking about is like this. It's my, you, you piqued my special interest. Thank you. Uh, well, you did it. You brought I it up. I piqued my own special interest. But when we were communicating on the days that this guy was running you through the mill, did you feel calm and energized and optimistic when you felt like when you No, read I was like regretful that I ever said anything in the first place. Right. So when you interact with someone who's incoherent, you feel even more incoherent yourself. Okay. And you knew it because you were like, ah, what do I say to this guy? I don't even know what to do. He's doing this. He's doing that. And I was like at work reading these messages going, oh my gosh, I can feel how stressed you were just through the text Yeah, going because I'm, I'm like 30 yards away from the situation. Right. I'm, I'm supporting you in the background of it going, uh, this guy is a train wreck. Like this is incoherent and he is not your, your guide is this. If you interact with someone and they help you feel calm and secure and comfortable in who you are, then they're raising your individual coherence. Like you're making your brain and your body work together better. If your interaction with someone makes you feel dysregulated and more panicked and more like, what the hell? Uh-uh, walk away. And th those that's as easy as the decision needs to be. Does, this, does interacting in this situation with this employer or in this relationship or in this grocery store make me feel good? Or does it make me feel more panicked and dysregulated? And I promise you the more you work towards weeding out the interactions that don't make you feel good and you focus on the ones that do make you feel good you can do you can turn your luck around just like George Clooney did and it helps to change your self-esteem because now things are feeling easier and things are feeling possible and you're feeling capable and you're feeling you know like you've got the tools how often do you feel like you got the tools for the things you're doing Depends. 
Depends where, on what I'm doing. Where do you feel the most confident in your day? Um, when I'm taking care of Declan, I feel pretty good. You're really good with him. Thank you. Did you feel that way right off the bat? I mean, I'm always like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of parenting, I mean, parent, part of parenting is a perfect analogy for life because I mean, from day to day, we, you know, things change, but as things change, you, your capacity changes or, or I guess that's the run, not the right way to say it, but like you remain in a creative place with him as a parent. And so even though his needs will tweak from day to day and, and evolve and grow and be different a week from now. Do you get a week down the road and feel like you don't have tools? No. Because you're evolving with it. Right. So that's what, that's the measure that we're looking for here. Like, do you feel good about yourself? Do you feel like you're in a place where you're adding to, you know, what feels good? That's what you want to keep searching for and duplicating and getting more of. Someone like this guy that dysregulates you? Uh-uh. There's, we're not on this planet long enough to make everyone else's lives work for them. That's their own responsibility. Man, Rochelle just got real. I am. Yeah. We're all going to die. No, the point <laughs> <laughs> that's biological. But the point is that you have this amazing lifetime right now. And to make the most of it, if someone dysregulates you, you can say, thank you. I love you. Goodbye. Like you don't have to be mean about it. You don't I have to, have to say, I love you. Not emotionally just energetically you're like you're not being hateful to the guy you're like thanks for showing me where i know there's another way of saying this is you're constantly looking for like where where's your tribe like where do you feel connected where do you feel accepted like where do you feel like you vibe if that guy is not it you go thanks you're not my tribe like that's not where I'm going to no, spend my time. What do I? What do I really realistically say? I would say next thank time you. the guy reaches out, he's like, "Hey, you're not getting my messages or what?" I would say, "Thank you for the opportunity, but I'm no longer interested." You don't owe him an explanation. All right. It's an employee-employer negotiation. I, mean, I haven't made any money. Yeah, but you know what? You've sure wasted enough precious life force by stressing because the guy didn't do his part yeah. to clearly communicate his expectations to properly plan out and organize the situation for you so he didn't set you up for success in any way and you don't owe him any more time it's just funny because it's like bait and switch it's like all of a sudden it's like hey you got to print out all this paperwork and i'm like i don't know if like what is does everyone even have a printer so what is everyone that works for him has to go to kinko's well that's the point he's being very assumptive and he's taking advantage and he's just Telling people what to do. He's basically walking around saying, oh, my God, jump off a cliff for me so I don't have to. And he's finding other suckers to do it. I'm proud of you for not being one. Me too. Let's see. Where are we at? This is a perfect time to transition into something else. Sure. What do you got? Nothing? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, no. Dead air. No, 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 no. no. I'm just deciding. I'm. I mean, we, I'm constantly in some of these same mental negotiations. You know, we've talked right now about self-advocating. And as an adult with neurodiversity, every single one of you listening knows what your individual struggles have been just to discover what you need in life to make your life work for you. And a lot of times that meant understanding your neurodiversity and being able to kind of categorize things and, and put things into place and have things make sense. But what we don't spend a lot of time talking about is once you've gone through that discovery process, or even if you're still in the discovery process, now you still have to learn on top of it, on on top of keeping the tiles on the roof and the food in the fridge and the bills paid and everything. You've also got to learn to self-advocate and it is not the easiest thing to do especially when you have did I say it right especially I said it right there you go rock star I said especially aha it's it's my nose it's not my no it's not it's your tongue and your face and everything working together anyways when you have extra things that you're working on in order to bring yourself, you know, to that place of calm and peace. And sometimes it's, you know, how are you writing down the information from an organizational standpoint? But learning to self-advocate is not the easiest task. And it and it's one of those things that 
it's not something we also really easily learn how to do because what we're taught to do from a very early age is to do everything for everyone else so everyone else is comfortable. Do unto others. That's what you were taught. Oh, no. The planet was taught it too. Like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You're always doing for others instead of yourself. I don't think that's necessarily what that means. I think it means to be respectful of other people so, you know, you would not... You know, it's like one of the things that like, w- when you know when we're at the movies i'm not going to pick on you i'm trying not to but you know the whole thing about you putting your feet up on the seat and i'm like no you can't do that because someone else's head's going to be there and someone might touch it where your foot was that's do to me that's like doing to others like do not get like you know dirty crap all over stuff and you know i just try not to be inconveniencing to anybody that is what we're talking about i mean i've seen people so completely go out of their way to not even shower in their own bedroom because someone else is sleeping and going, oh, well, I wouldn't want them to shower while I'm sleeping. And they do this this completely like nonverbal um, dance about, well, I'm not going to do this and I'm going to do I'm going to make a decision at my expense because that's what I want them to do. And yet they never said anything. And so then the other person turns around and does exactly the opposite and goes and showers while they're sleeping, you know, and it's just and you sit there going, well, who is a shower in their bedroom? All, all the master bathroom bedrooms and bathrooms have oh stuff in there. I don't know. Okay. So I'm just fancy people, you know. There's a there's a very um, subconscious pattern of doing for other people. Other people need to be happy, or like it's my job to make it right for them. It's not. It's our job to make it right for ourselves, and and it's not selfish. It's self advocating, which is selfishness. It is Plus. not. No, is it, 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 is yes, not. it is not. It is not. And every parent who's raising a neurodiverse child is also being asked to, like, we have to be our child's advocate. Is that where the word nerd comes from? Because nerd diverse, neurodiverse sounds kind of like nerd. I don't know. Probably I don't, not. I don't think so. Oh. I don't know the origin of one word over the other. I get the impression neurodiversity originated later. Because sometimes it sounds like you're saying nerd diversity. Nerd diversity. Oh, neurodiversity. Just when you say it fast, it sounds like nerd diversity. It sounds it's like possible. Nerd I mean, or nerd university. <laughs> well, okay. University That's definitely of nerds. not what I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm just. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm I'm stupid. So, anyways. Oh no, I can't say that. I'm not supposed to say I'm stupid. You are not stupid. Yeah, you, you know, you know, you're not. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. <laughs> you do have good accents. Name, name that movie. That is. Forrest Gump. There you go. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Jen A. <laughs> we used to do that voice all the time in middle school. Anytime yeah. someone would run, they would be like, run, Forrest, run. Yeah. What was weird is that people would do it in his accent. And I'm like, you idiot. That's not the... He's not saying it. Right. It's the It's, it's the, the kids bully saying kids, it. Yeah. Or no, it's a, it's a Jenny that says it. Oh, you're right. She does. She tells him to get away. Yeah. She's trying you're to right. get him. Anyway. You're right. See, we start talking about movies. Did, I mean, if if I had my druthers, we'd have like all these listeners, and they would just listen to us talk about movies all day. But that's your special. Spe- it is my special. <laughs> it's your special interest. I know. That's why I, I really do miss having that podcast I did with Richard. That was you fun. guys were phenomenal at it. Yep. Yeah, I wish you guys good. could we, pick it we back up again. We bounced well, pretty well off each other and make both of us funnier. I think. Yeah, I, it reminds me of. Uh, like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, mm-hmm. like Trey Parker's, and I, I don't know which one of us would be Trey Parker, but, um, but, but, but the the idea being that he works with Matt Stone, and he and and Matt Stone, I think, was saying like, you know, I'm he's like more the muse, mm-hmm. so he's not necessarily the one like writing all the episodes and doing all the stuff. Trey Parker is like the main dude, but they are ev- they split it equally because Matt Stone is like if if he weren't there, Trey Parker was like I'm not I'm not as funny without him being around. Well, and Richard did that for you, too, but I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to point out one of the reasons why it worked so well for you and one of the reasons why I appreciate Richard so much as a friend in our world is because he thinks you are. He, I'm going to say this differently. Richard knows you are funny. Like, Richard believes in your humor He's a smart more man. than you do. He what, he what now? He believes in your humor and your comedic genius more than you do. He's, and He's always telling me this. And uh, See? But be- I'm, I'm I'm being facetious. Well, I mean, I'm no. Maybe he I'm not has told you. He's told you multiple times. He's even sent you books on things that like help you raise your self-esteem. And that's true. 
And so Richard, because he believes in you, he is helping you actually be more coherent heart and brain because even though you might struggle to believe in yourself, you know that he believes in you and sometimes that's enough to to help us overcome those insecurities when we're building our self-esteem. Like Richard was phenomenal and because you felt comfortable in front of Richard and you knew that you were in a safe place in front of him, you were you're always funny, so don't misunderstand this, but you were extra funny. You two, the videos you two would make were hilarious. And it didn't even matter if you guys were drunk or sober. Like you guys were just you played off each other very, very well. And part of it is because you believed in him and he believed in you. And that made it a very, you know, cohesive relationship. And you both felt good with that relationship. And I encourage you to keep finding more like that. That's right. I guess me and Richard are done, according to that sentence. No, you're not done. You got to find more like no, that. No, I'm saying in every... So when you... I would, I would use this situation with this potential employer and go, does this... You know what? My words today. Just start speaking Spanish. <laughs> I don't know that language either. Sprechen, sprechen Sie Inglés? <laughs> I would use your interaction and the quality of your relationship with Richard as a benchmark. This potential employer, if you don't feel as good interacting with him as you do in those moments with Richard, then it's a, uh, nope, thanks, you're not my tribe, I'm moving to something different. And, you, and that is what you use to shuffle and sift through your opportunities so that you're constantly aligning yourself with the things that work for you and help bring you into a state where you are your best. It can be that simple if you just break it down to this doesn't make me feel good. This makes me feel dysregulated and panicked and out of my power. And this over here makes me feel good and optimistic and excited. And, and I feel, you know, capable and I'm, and I'm feeling, you know, my best that's it it's one or the other it can be that simple how's uh how's your um weight loss project going can't you tell you can barely see me i'm so thin <laughs> what have you i'm wasting away what have you implemented in internally. the last week that helped you feel better nothing absolutely nothing can you find one thing that will help you feel better just one thing uh, I don't know. Can we say, can we make that a task for this week? Just one thing. Just one thing that helps you feel better. One breast. Of yours? No. Oh. A nice lady. Oh. We'll have to find one of those. Yeah, just one. Maybe it's positioning the treadmill. Just one thing. That's right. I think the breast would help men more, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, how about I put... I'll put one on, on, on in front of myself on the treadmill, and I'll run toward it. Okay. Is that too weird? Uh, Fine, I'll put two up. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, yeah, at that point, you may as well put two. All right. So Would three be too many? Oh, It's up to you. I mean, I don't know. It'd be like uh, Total Recall? Sure. You ever seen that movie? I've seen it. I don't remember what There's you're referring. There's a lady with the three boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, She's yeah. a, she's yeah, a yeah. mutant. Yep, I remember. Why stop at two? <laughs> <laughs> sure. What do you got for Pop Minute? Oh, Pop Minute. Pop Minute. Let's see. I've been catching up on The Amazing Race on CBS, mm. watching it on the Paramount Plus app. And in season 33, episode 8, there is a mention of ADHD. Interesting. Uh, the contestant whose name I can't remember is supposed to memorize saints from what I believe was the Greek Orthodox religion. Oh, wow. And he explains um, in his... You know his on-camera interview that ADHD can drive you crazy because you forget little things like where you put your keys. But he also mentions hyperfocus and how AD having ADHD has its benefits as well, um, and it basically can become a superpower when you get that hyperfocus going. But it, it's not it's 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 hard to get it turned on. Sure. Sometimes it just turns on and you're like, holy shit! I'm gonna remember everything I'm reading right um, now. Well, yeah. it's less about remembering everything and more about being productive a lot of the time sure applying but, it but it can be uh, in learning but he's a contestant in amazing race so if he has the chance to turn it on during one of these challenges or during a component of the race right like, he's already tuned in and focused on something yeah because so he gets up there and someone was talking and the guy talks for quite a while and it's like there's this little nuggets of information about each saint. And then you have to go over and take a quiz on the other side. Just by listening to the guy? So you have to listen to the guy. He shows you a picture of the saint. Oh, shit. 
So it's like this is Saint whoever and they're you know, and goes through like a bunch of information about each person. Obviously uh-huh. it's edited for television, so it's like you know, you don't see all the information, but right. he runs over and he puts the thing together, does it really fast. Wow. Um and then they spoiler alert, anyone that hasn't seen the season, spoiler alert right now. Um they they him and his he and his wife ended up winning. That day or season. the soul se- Oh wow. Yeah. That's okay. why I said spoiler alert. Oh, I didn't realize you were all, all the way through the season. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got to catch up. Oh, well, now that no. Is know. this the winners? My aunt was telling me about this because my aunt was telling me and I don't know what season she was referring to, but she said there was did, have they have they raced before? Uh I don't remember. She was so saying So it was weird because well, I don't think so because there was another season that I'm watching kind of like I was watching two seasons mm-hmm. back to back one on one platform one on another. Okay. And then in this one I was watching on Paramount Plus and the but but maybe the season before it's like people that had been on previous seasons maybe that's of different sh- shows like they'd been on Big Brother, they'd mm. been on Survivor and they'd also been on the amazing race and okay that starts to ring a bell i think that's what she was telling me about because there was someone she recognized from something else and she was saying that the winner of that season was really cool because when they were on i don't want to know because i haven't seen it yet i don't know who those people are i'm just saying that there's a characteristic i want to call attention to because the winner of that season changed their strategy all the way through and they because they i think they deal with anxiety and their strategy was okay no matter how crazy things get we're going to we're going to stay calm we're going to bring ourselves back to a place of calm even if we're behind uh, aren't aren't you giving away who it is if they're doing this in the episodes i have no idea i haven't seen i haven't seen any of it You're but what, spoiling it for then me. fine spoil alert but what the takeaway was well i can't listen that there was a different way of handling stressful situations that's now being a little bit more readily portrayed in our especially something like a reality um are you still talking program about are you still spoiling it i'm just saying i'm proud of the <laughs> new portrayals of things that are you know we're, we're focusing more on regulatory behaviors and taking that time to just go you know what i'm going to be abundant in time and i'm going to breathe and i'm going to calm down and i'm just going to focus and i'm going to make my way through and even if i'm behind i'm not going to let it panic me and i'm not going to live my life and live this race in a panic and they ended up doing very well. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, I'm glad. Now when I go back and watch it and I see the people that are calm and relaxed, I'm going to be like, well, I guess there's our winners. Uh, well, no one was calm and relaxed. I'm just saying they were making a more conscious effort to find, like to restore that balance. Okay, if I see someone doing yoga, I'll know that they're the winner. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. All right. I got more pop minute. Oh, pop minute. Rochelle. Pop. But you don't say it. You don't say it. You don't keep saying it. I was just doing a little transition. Oh, five minute continued. <laughs> um, so you've seen the show, The Masked Singer. I love Masked Singer. Are yes. You, are you watching it right now? The new episode. Well, not this week, but I know the new one started this week. Okay, so now I'm gonna spoil something for you. Oh no. Um, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you when the the, okay, sp- the spoiler part happens though. But this week, I guess one of the contestants was dressed like a terrier. Going uh, by the name McTerrier. Okay. Does it sound familiar at all? No, I haven't watched any of it. He's okay. a little, like a puppy? Like a dog. Okay. Not a little per like it wasn't a little person. Well, no, like it what it was like a regular sized man. No, yeah, they do their costumes very well. I'm assuming it was a dude. But a ter- okay, a terrier. I'm with you. Um lost his head. Literally, his mask fell off. Like he like went to do something and his mask fell off. Right in front of the judges. Oh, no. And then he turned around really quickly and put in a, m- a member of production staff ran over and put the head back on. Uh-huh. And then he you know, turned around and they were like, oh, my gosh, did anyone see? Did anyone see who it was? And they didn't see who it was. Okay. Now, this is the part that gets to be spoilery because I'm going to tell you who it was. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So no one saw The Masked Singer before. Uh, okay, I already said that. Um, it was la- later revealed that The Masked Singer was none other than, plug your ears if you don't want the spoiler, Rochelle. Okay was Duff Goldman. No way. That's right. The Ace of Cakes. No way. And he was voted off the show. That's how we know Oh. that it was him. Sorry. Again, uh, I just thought that was kind of funny that his mask fell off. I've never seen that happen before. I didn't have either. So, all right. Um, let's now, it's time for News Minute. Uh, 
The first of more than 500 Capitol riot defendants stood trial this week and were found... Oh, and he was found guilty on all five charges he faced related to the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021. His name is Guy, and I believe it's Refit or Refit. Okay. I don't know. Guy Mm. Refit. He's been found guilty of wanting to obstruct congressional certification of the 2020 presidential... Oh, my goodness. Presidential. That's (laughs) that's always fun. (laughs) Presidential election, transporting guns into Washington, D.C., carrying a Smith & Wesson handgun onto the grounds of the Capitol, interfering with Capitol Police, and obstructing justice by threatening his own son and daughter when he returned to Texas. What? The man, the max prison sentence for the most severe charge, which is obstruction of Congress and obstruction of justice, is 20 years in prison. Okay. Ruffett is set to be sentenced for his crimes come June 8th. Okay. That's a while to wait, isn't it? Three months? Uh, yeah. He's been in jail to wait for sentencing, he's, but he's been in jail since January of 2021. Wow. And uh, this case rose to national attention when his son Jackson did interviews with major news outlets regarding his father's support of Donald Trump and his involvement with the three percenters. And the three percenters, if you don't know, is composed of far-right Canadian and far-right American anti-government militia types. I didn't know that. So that so the son spoke out against him? About, uh, against his dad, because I guess the dad was like, if you turn me in, I'll, you know, uh, I'll c- you know, snitches get stitches. Oh wow! Like that kind of thing. He's like, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get yourself killed. Oh my to his, god! To I guess that's what I heard allegedly. Okay, well that's not cool. Nope. So again, I think I need to switch up pot minute and news minute so we can leave it on a, <laughs> on a higher note, more yeah. positive note. Next There's time. a lot in the news that is challenging, but um. Well, and of course the yeah. the fight against Ukraine um, from the Russians is still continuing, and you gotta give it to the Ukrainians, man. They're they're giving them one hell of a fight, but it's just it's an unfair. I just am so upset by the whole thing. Fight. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Send all my prayers and love. I just. <sighs> yep. Yep. Prayers and love. That, that'll help. It does help. Does it? It. You know, I don't. It's not going to save them from a bomb. Send I'm them sorry, good juju. I'm trying. Hmm. I'm doing what I can. I, I, <laughs> I send them love. And oh, I don't know. Don't, don't take away all my helplessness. All right. Okay? Sorry. All right. Fair enough. All right. So this week we just said yes to saying no. What do you think? Does that sound like a good title for the episode? Yeah, I like that, actually. Yeah, just say yes to saying no? I think it's absolutely appropriate. Self-advocacy is not selfish. It is, if you need to think about it in a different term, then I encourage you to think of self-advocacy as a survival tactic. Like, you are the only person who is going to know exactly what you need and how you need it and how you're going to function the best. And it's up to us to, you know, get what we need in these negotiations, which are, you know, relationships and employment and even where we live. I mean, is it sensory sensitive or all of these things? You know, we have the, cap- the capacity to make these changes and that's o- and that is okay. It's not selfish. It's the right thing to do. I agree. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough out of Rochelle for today. <laughs> hey i got all those words right i didn't even stumble once yeah, that's right i especially like the part <laughs> just kidding um all right uh well i don't again forget to join the facebook group join the group, i would say the remember, uh, remember please please remember to join the facebook group so you, you can go. join the group join the conversation subscribe to the podcast on your favorite prefer- preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released which is typically going to be on sundays we try to uh get them edited you know within an hour or two after we record them and yep. throw the music on there speaking of music cue the music i'm blake and i'm michelle and we'll be back <laughs>